to full Muppet singing. <laughs> Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> oh, wow. That was good. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I don't know what came over me. <laughs> Rihanna's like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's like, you know, I actually am reconsidering being a part of this group. <laughs> I think maybe you're all a little too strange. (laughs) What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and even funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. Of course, people decide to start drilling outside right now. (laughs) Or maybe (laughs) they're vacuuming. I I don't know what's happening. It's fine. Everything's (laughs) fine. Well, they're doing something outside. Um, We also have Miss Rihanna Manuel here. Hi. And welcome back, Miss Brittany Brombacher. Thank you. I I just had a very spicy sip of whiskey. Ooh. Ooh, spicy. What kind of whiskey are you drinking? I think it's Makers. I just texted Jason. I said, can you bring me some whiskey? I don't know what you put in here. It could be oil. He knows what you like. Yeah. <laughs> I also oil. would imagine by this time that you would know the flavor of Makers, like the back of your hand. Yeah, I think it's Makers. I don't know. As long as it's whiskey, I'll drink it. I should start paying more attention to what I'm drinking. Well, I think if you're in your house with your husband, you can trust that you know, he's definitely going to give you something to get you in bed later. Oh, hey! Oh, hey. Oh, I like where you took that. Thank you. I was hoping you would go that way. I mean, I kind of had to, right? It's your husband. It is. Uh, unless you're going to sleep with Reb, which I've heard that he snores. He snores and he farts. He's not a very good bed buddy. And he just likes to no. lick all night. It's just not good. You know, mm, I tried yeah. it a few times and it's uh, uh, it does never it never works out. He likes to sleep on my pillow and yeah. That's, you can't have a bed buddy that steals your pillow. That's the worst. Especially with a dog. It's true. It, even worse. Smelly and hair. Um, welcome, everybody, to the show. And it's good to have you back, Rihanna. Thanks again for joining me on Monday. You're welcome. It was a fun show at What's Good Games Live. Of course, you guys can catch us every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash what's good games. I am working on Rihanna's emote. So that'll be our, our fifth and fifth emote as our affiliate status but i did submit us for partnership ah! hey we'll see what happens um but all three of our emotes are now are now live in a variety of faces which is really fun i have to say they're great <laughs> So if you guys haven't joined us on Twitch, we would love for you to. And a great opportunity to do that would be this Saturday, April 18th, starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time. We're going to be doing our very first What's Good Games movie matinee watch along. Because watch alongs and Netflix parties are all the rave these days, we decided why not do this? Uh, Thanks, Rihanna, for suggesting this as an idea. What do you think about Mortal Kombat or movie, Joyce? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite guilty pleasures to watch this movie so really really looking forward to hearing everybody play along and maybe take a couple shots with us and some good times ahead so i heard yeah, there's we're, some we're, drinking games going with this yeah we're working on a bingo game yeah 
into it. I don't know. I think I've seen Mortal Kombat, but it, like what? every other movie, like every other movie, I don't remember anything about it. So it'll be good times. Yeah, it is free on Netflix right now, or you can buy it, I believe, uh, for two ninety nine on Amazon Prime or on YouTube Premium. Uh, so there's a couple of different ways. Or if you just own it already, you know, you could just uh, queue it up, ready to hit play all together. So we're going to kind of chat a little bit in the beginning. So if you can't be there right at 11, don't worry. We're going to go live probably around 11.30 or noon, uh, depending on how chat is going. And um, yeah, hopefully you guys can can pop by and say hi, twitch.tv slash what's good games. Um, Another thing that I would love to point out is that this week I uploaded a video from our friend Pixel Brave that he took of our D&D session back at PAX East, which feels like a lifetime ago oh, man. when we got to hang out with friends in person. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Tell me about those days. That was only when a month I ago. When your age, we a month used to actually hug days each other. Ago. Is that it? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Wow, it was. We came back on March 1st. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it was like five weeks ago. Yeah, it was, well, it's not that long. That's the wild That's the wild <laughs> part. Um, but if you guys want to check that out, you can watch that at youtube.com slash what's good games. There's some great and, dancing in there from Dr. B. We're pointing <laughs> out. Yeah, so we didn't go into the whole campaign that Lucigen wrote for us. And shout out to our fantastic dungeon ma- master, Craig. He does a fantastic job putting that together every time that we've played. But this time, Dr. B, who is our recurring guest, his name is Eki, and he plays a monk cleric? Is that right? right. Something like that. He's the reason that my character is dead, by the way. (gasps) It's true. It is true. (laughs) So he did it by accident? It was like, it was for good intentions. Poor execution. <laughs> he was always yeah. going to be the death of you anyway. I think he drove you crazy. That's true. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So just like we, this vacuum that's happening outside. Do you need to do it for 20 minutes? Can you just stop? <laughs> <laughs> There's not that much space out there. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I think it's really funny always kind of seeing everybody's dynamic um, vacuum, loud vacuum person outside aside. Uh, we can't hear it just for oh, the record. That's, yeah. so I can't All right. It. So it's just annoying me. Perfect. <laughs> sorry Steimer they're your neighbors there's nothing I I can do about that oh my god I hate all of them except the person who walks their cat they're okay with me walks their cat oh yeah you were telling me about this the other day yeah I had left my door open because it's hot and I heard someone be like come along like no you don't live there like come on and like I thought it was a child because there's also somebody here with a child and then I look and there's a cat on a leash and I was like the cat can stay (laughs) that's great but you human go away you human not so much you might be diseased your cat is friendly and cute so cat can stay i get it i like cats too all right let's continue on thank you so much to this month's patreon producers chewy's godson alex Ogopoulos, ferris today mohammed mohammed marcus brown punctified Mole bitner and welcome to our patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games we've got alfred print up Jose Gill, Jonathan Salter with a with an H in there. I was not prepared for that. Chelsea Quick, Segaborn, Louis Herrera, seriously zany. Pete H, James McLaughlin, Caesar Torres, Edward Andranini, Rodriguez, Edward Andranini. Yeah, that sounds right. 
and drainy like a dratini like a pokemon and alex hackney welcome everybody to patreon.com slash what's good games we will be putting up the poll if it's not already up to ask you guys what you would like your patreon produced segment for the month of april to be and we will be finalizing the patreon streams for april by this time next week so be on the lookout for that as well good Brittany, since you're back We've got some new podcast reviewers. We do. All right. Huge thank you to Skillet Fan 520, Brent 1987, Lot RR, Herbie or Irby, however you want to pronounce that H, 1205. Herbie. Herbie. Uh, Head PE, James Vickers, Blue Mist, Wizzle Von G, Ghetto Nerd Society, I am a Cosmonaut, Mr. Potato Man, Oh, God. Irving V, Sparta Cuzzy, Skin Dogger, Beyblade, and your boy Wilson, who says, it's fine, just like other gaming podcasts. Read something from Jason Schreier and then try to analyze it. They still gave us five stars. And yes, we're going to be talking about a Jason Schreier article during this podcast. <laughs> Shocker. Oh, no, <laughs> your boy Wilson's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> Thank you, your boy Wilson. Listen, your boy Wilson. This is just in the effort of saving time because I'm perfectly capable of writing all of these stories on my own. Trust me, I've done it. I did it for a lot of years. I just think that it's easier if someone already has written it and that way we can give our friends and colleagues in the industry a little bit of a a bump, you know, like, hey, go check out this person on this site or go check out this site in this article than me writing everything myself. So I appreciate the, the mild criticism, but... I don't even know if it was mild criticism. It's just like this is what they do. It yeah. was it was literally just fact. <laughs> well, this is well, how there, game well, podcasts work, man. A lot of us see, that's where we, you know we give our friends credit. We read the articles and we talk about them. So we do. It's a podcast. Do you want us to sing about them? We could. We could do a musical podcast. We've definitely Ooh, a done musical that episode. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm into let's it. Let's talk about Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I went full screen for a second on you just as you were like snip and I'm like yep that's a gift waiting to happen <laughs> perfect <laughs> um, but I do want to just quickly remind people that those five star reviews are incredibly important to us especially right now when podcast numbers are down because people aren't commuting. So there's a lot of people that aren't listening to the podcast that they normally listen to. So it's incredibly helpful for us if you guys just take a few moments of your time to give us a five-star review on your platform of choice. We know that a lot of you are struggling just like we are in the face of the pandemic and adding one more thing you have to pay for to your list of things you pay for is just not in the cards for a lot of people. And a great way to help out everything we do here at What's Good Games is to use a little bit of your time instead of your dollars to give us a five-star review. So just a, just a little thanks to everybody who's done that so far. It really does help us. Okay, let's get into the news. And this week, the news segment is brought to you by Me Undies. It's officially spring, everybody, which means it's officially spring cleaning time. Yes, of course, that's a thing in case you forgot. And if you're not doing it, maybe you should, especially since we're spending a lot more time in our houses Uh. these days. But more importantly, with your underwear drawer and your relationship with toxic, old, tattered undies and move on to a membership with the softest undies to ever grace your nethers, a fresh new start for spring. 
So we talk about MeUndies a lot at What's Good Games because we just love their products so much. And right now, it is leisure wear and lounge wear's moment, everybody. If you haven't checked out MeUndies fantastic underwear, first off, they're super comfortable. I'm actually wearing my my Star Wars lounge pants right now. Um, they also have a super cute line of rompers, ladies. If you're into rompers, they've got onesies. They've got lounge pants, lounge tanks. They even have a new robe with a hood on it. So basically, if you've ever contemplated while you've been working from home that you're like, yo, my loungewear needs an upgrade. Me Undies has got your back in addition to having the softest underwear around. And the good news is they ship it right to your door. You don't even have to leave the house and put gloves and a mask on. It's super convenient. A membership, though, will make it even more convenient because a membership saves you even more. A membership with MeUndies is full of perks like site-wide savings, early access, free shipping, and, of course, new ridiculously soft undies delivered right to your door every month. And it makes for a great gift. I got John one for Christmas last year. Plus, you guys, more undies equals less laundry. It's science, everybody. The more underwear you have, the less laundry you have to do. They've got different prints, colors, and styles, and the members get an exclusive print every month, BT dubs. MeUndies are made with micromodal. What the heck is that, you may be wondering? Well, it's a magical, sustainable, soft as heck fabric made from trees. Yes, trees, everybody. That makes your bits feel like they're floating on a cloud. MeUndies are offered in a range of sizes from extra small to 4XL. So if you guys are sold, like, let's be honest, you probably have already bought some MeUndies, but maybe you need some more. Or maybe you want to tell a friend. Guess what? We've got a special offer just for What's Good Games listeners. If it's your first time purchasing, you'll get 15% off plus free shipping. This is a no-brainer, you guys, because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee to get that 15% off your free order plus free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to MeUndies.com slash W-G-G. That's MeUndies, M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash W-G-G to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Shipping. Yeah. Shipping. I actually just used this code and got a onesie and a romper. Both super comfy. Can't wait to wear the romper with a pair of heels and a little jean jacket. So excited for life. (laughs) This is like the, one of the few pieces of clothing that I get advertised and I'm like, oh, I could actually still wear that because a lot of the other ads that I'm getting, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, I'm like, I'm never going to, I don't know when I'm going to wear that cute thing. <laughs> yeah. True. But rompers for MeUndies, uh-uh, I can They're wear that cute. next week. Be cute. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Our first news story today is about a surprise game that's suddenly here which is kind of wild that this game just surprised launch. So XCOM has a brand new game, and it's coming out April 24th. This write-up comes from IGN. Um, Brittany, would you like to read this? I would love to. But I got to clear my throat first because that whiskey. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. 2K has announced a brand new XCOM game titled XCOM. How do you you say this word? Chimera? Chimera. Chimera. Okay, in my head, Chimera, and I'm like, that ain't right. Chimera Squad, set five years after the events of XCOM 2, XCOM Chimera Squad features an all-new story set in the XCOM universe. Although it's set five years after XCOM 2, Fire Access as Chimera Squad is neither a sequel nor an expansion. (laughs) 
Some of the new features in Chimera Squad include unique alien and human agents with distinct personalities and abilities, including species of yeah species specific attacks. There's also a new breach mode that adds a new combat phase focused on coordinating assaults across different entry points. XCOM Chimera Squad will release digitally on PC via Steam on April 24th. For a limited time, the introductory price for Chimera Squad will be set at $9.99 before it increases to $19.99 on May 1st. Context on the story of the game from 2K's press release. Set five years after the events of XCOM 2, humans, hybrids, and aliens are now working together to forge a civilization of cooperation and coexistence. However, not all of Earth's inhabitants support the Interspecies Alliance. City 31, a model of peace in a post-invasion world, is opposed by mysterious groups whose agendas threaten to shatter this delicate Interspecies Alliance Chimera Squad. An elite force of human, hybrid, and alien agents must work together to destroy the underground threats driving the city toward chaos. Excellent job, Brittany. Thanks. If I had to say Chimera Squad one more time, <laughs> I was going to ask you like to say you it. I keep again. saying it like Chimera Squad. <laughs> like you're about to push up your glasses while you say it. It's Chimera. Not Chimera. <laughs> uh, cool. Does anyone care about this? I mean, I'm sure people care about it. People like I mean, XCOM. People um, within our little group here. I haven't played at XCOM in a while, and that's mostly because, like, they don't really, like, get my gears going anymore but i did used to really like this kind of game and i think the thing that i always well it's funny to me now because i don't play them anymore but it pissed me off when i was playing them is the the shit where you're like 98 percent chance of hitting them and oh, <laughs> you the don't hit them and you're like what the fuck <laughs> you just rage you're like god damn it rng jesus some bullshit bad rules. that two percent matters though steimer i that know it's gonna get you really illustrates that even when you think it's a sure thing it's not very true i haven't been into rts for quite some time and i've heard nothing but wonderful things about the xcom franchise but i haven't picked up an xcom game probably since a preview event of xcom from like what was that 2011 let me look at which xcom that was hmm. reed do you play xcom i don't uh, the strategy games don't really sing to me, but um, honestly, with this story, what interested me the most was that it's discounted and then not. I thought that was a, an interesting. They're like, jump take. on it, please, for the love of God, buy this game right now. And then yeah. if you don't, we're gonna assume you were not paying attention to launch, and mm, then yeah. therefore you won't know that it was a lower price. <laughs> Yeah, this whole thing is kind of odd. I mean, it's cool. I love it when, you know, they don't do the foreplay thing for five years. And they're like, hey, this game's out. But yeah, it's nine ninety nine on April 24th. And then it goes up to nineteen ninety nine on May 1st. That's kind of an unusual Strike thing. Strike while the cool. iron's hot. Yeah. It's Chimera Squad. <laughs> I mean, I oh, the episode, I was thinking of Chimera was Enemy Squad. Unknown from 2012. BT Dips. Mm. That was the last one? Oh, wow. No, that wasn't the last one. Um, the last one was uh, technically was War of the Chosen, which is an expansion for XCOM 2. But then XCOM Enemy Within was in 2013. But that was an expansion of Enemy Unknown. So, an yeah, I just... Of an expansion of expansion. <laughs> it's like Kingdom Hearts over here. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that this franchise, which is arguably one of the better known RTSs that exists, is just kind of 
you know, poof, we're putting out a game when they haven't released anything since 2017. I guess like they just had it in the cooker and maybe they were planning to do some kind of reveal or announcement at, at E3. And now 2K is like, well, digital E3 isn't happening. So do we want to like put, make this part of any kind of announcements that we're doing? Or should we just like put it say, out there? screw it. Everyone's at home buying video games, playing video games. Let's just put it out now. I think that's probably what what it is to be honest and i think Mm -hmm. like especially for an rts game a lot of them don't need a lot of lead up like if you are an rts fan you kind of know what you want already and like you don't need to do a lot of pomp and circumstance yeah you're already kind of plugged into all of that news yeah so this is exciting news for all those fans and now they can get the game and they can get it relatively cheap if they don't wait too long yeah play it while you're at home before everybody goes back to work I think that's. Yeah. I think it's funny that like on May first, I'm like it would have been funnier to me if it was in May, like May fifteenth, which is at least when L.A. or California in particular has said they are extending to for the time being. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, it would have been funny to basically be like, yeah, it's just until we think we're out of quarantine. <laughs> um. Okay, let's move on to the next story. Steimer, you want to take this one? Sure. Guess what, y'all? What? The world's most shocking news ever. There's a new GTA in development. Oh, my God. <gasps> you <What>? don't say. <laughs> no. Uh, but also, Rockstar is reportedly making changes to fix their crunch culture. So this comes to us from IGN. So Rockstar Games, surprising absolutely no one, is working on a new Grand Theft Auto. But the next entry in the series is reportedly a long ways from release and may take on a different scope due to alleged changes at the Red Dead and GTA studio. An anonymous source close to Rockstar Games has confirmed to IGN that the Red Dead Redemption 2 company is next working on a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series, as first reported by Kotaku. Again, shocking no one. All right, Kotaku's report, which places a larger focus on workplace changes allegedly happening at Rockstar, follows following the massive discussions on crunch in game development uh, that centered around Red Dead Redemption 2, also notes, however, that the next GTA is very early in development. The report further goes on to explain that due to the changing nature of conditions at Rockstar, the company is considering ways of altering production to avoid similar crunch issues. One such plan is to allegedly have the next GTA, whether it be be called GTA 6 or some other title, be a, quote, moderately sized release, which by Rockstar standards, which still be a large game, that is then expanded with regular updates over time, which may help mitigate stress and crunch. According to the new report, Rockstar has attempted to root out the causes of widespread crunch reported at the studio, including changes in leadership throughout many of its offices, outside, man- outside management training, and plans to improve technology, pipelines, and scheduling for production on the next game. And while they're still concerned at the studio, according to the report, many anonymous devs speaking to Kotaku were cautiously optimistic about the future. Yeah, so like the article mentioned, Jason Shire put out this uh, today, which is Wednesday, and on Kotaku, and it's a pretty long, beefy feature, and I thought since IGN took the courtesy to summarize it up for us that we would just talk about that. But I would encourage, if you're more curious about this, to read it, because he has a lot of quotes from developers and whatnot. And like the article said, uh, cautious optimism is the common theme, and that's even a quote from his his article. Because I feel like you guys, I think you covered this when I was in orlando a couple was that last year i remember because it was it was an episode oh andrea and steimer did back in the it was a, a stand standry or standria what do we call you guys we never standria. we never got a good name we never yeah we never oh. settled on a name oh no steimer's frozen oh is she i'm not frozen on my end not for me yeah you're frozen oh you're okay you're back you were making this face 
Yeah, it was a cute pucker Ooh. face. You know what? I'm Zoolander. Welcome. Give <laughs> me <laughs> your reference over my head. It, it's crazy <laughs> to think about this idea that, you know, we, that, that how, how just how long ago that was when this was first reported, especially since like crunch is just an ongoing thing, right? Like, I don't know. Um, cool. It's, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's nice that I think this reporting from Jason, I mean, and obviously the industry as a whole, I think we're kind of pushing the idea that, hey, like crunch culture, you know, to some extent, like I get it. There's crunch almost, I think, in every industry. But when you're working 100-hour work weeks or whatever the quote was, uh, it's it's not healthy. So maybe this brings more awareness to studios and holds them more accountable, which is always a good thing. So it's good to report on crunch, but almost in a feel-good story because it sounds like some changes are being made. So cool. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, a lot of it can be mitigated, um, but... They just don't because they don't necessarily have a reason to. So that's it's that's kind of why the, the Jason Schreier articles are good for a sort of public shaming to make mm-hmm. people shape up a little bit. Um, so it's positive that Rockstar is at least attempting a change. We'll see, obviously, how it goes. But I do wonder with their like, oh, we'll just have regular updates over time. That's not necessarily going to help mitigate anything if you don't have sets of teams to switch on and off. Mm. If you just have the same team doing all of that, guess what? All you've done is delay the misery for a longer period of time. Yeah, we've seen this happen in several teams. And the reason why I kind of gave like a shrug wasn't because I don't think Rockstar was going to do this. I just, for me, I it's hard to believe that a game as big as GTA is not going to have some type of crunch anyway. And it's a fundamental change in two things. One is the way that game devs do their production cycles and how they have to untrain themselves from hitting specific deadlines and be more transparent with their publishing partners. And two, they have to very clearly communicate with their consumers. This is the kind of release schedule you can expect. I mean, we saw a team like the Apex Legends team have to do a pivot last year where they said, yo, we were putting out stuff way too quickly. We were trying to meet up with consumer demand for more and more content, and it really was taxing on our team. So we have to slow it down and make sure that we're doing our best to maintain the health and and lifestyle of our devs at our studio and that means that you're not going to get as much apex stuff as as quickly as you thought and it's something that the Fortnite team has dealt with and we've heard from bungie talking about this with destiny it's an ongoing problem particularly with games that do live service updates and i hope that they find a solution because clearly gta has the finances to hire as timer mentioned multiple teams but they also had the finances to go yeah we can pay people more and let people take time off and hire on more people and they can they're in a better position than most teams to say we can fix this but are they going to fix it and what's the benchmark for what crutch culture is supposed to look like right mm-hmm. yeah and if also in this kotaku article some employees were saying you know we're going to stick around now because the trajectory looks good and that's awesome i also thought this was funny one belief shared by rockstar employees is that dan hauser's departure will lead to fewer last minute rewrites and overhauls the type that led to a great deal of overtime in red dead redemption 2 hilarious (laughs) (laughs) i mean it makes sense right like if you have a very highly creative type like sometimes they can be really damaging to team structure that's just Mm -hmm. how it goes a lot of the time i'm sure this isn't the last we've heard (laughs) jason schreier and rockstar Definitely not. Continued. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, Rihanna, this next one's all you. Oh, yeah, I got it. Uh, Gamescom hit by German ban on events. And this is from gamesindustry.biz. So Gamescom has joined the list of industry events that won't be taking place as usual thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Consumer and Developer Conference has been set to stretch between August 22nd and August 29th at the who? Messe. Messe. Yeah, that. Not right. uh, the exhibition. Wait, Simon, center. you know how to say this word. No, it's I just don't. Colon mess. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought because you'd been there, you knew how to say it. I know how to say it- Cologne, Germany. That's-, <laughs> That's good. That's a start. Colmensa. Yeah, let's go with Colmensa. Uh, yeah, say it with gusto. Rihanna, come on. Don't have Colmensa. Or- there you go. <laughs> exhibition center in Cologne. Um, but the German government today issued a blanket ban on major events until August 31st, as reported by German broadcaster N-TV. Organizers acknowledged the ban would apply to Gamescom, but added that certain functions of the show would be moved online. And there is a Twitter statement reading, even though not all details are known at present, the nationwide ban on major events until the end of August will also affect the pan- also affect the planning for Gamescom 2020. Furthermore, Gamescom 2020 will definitely take place digitally. We will provide further information shortly. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, So we already heard from Jeff Keighley that he's back doing his digital Gamescom showcase. And Mm -hmm. so we knew that there was definitely going to be something happening around Gamescom in a digital sense. And I think that there was some indications that because of the sheer size of Gamescom, it's like over 200,000 people. Last year's attendance was 373,000 people. <laughs> the biggest. Wow. <laughs> it grew. It grew a lot. I thought it was like 250. Hot damn. That's Girl. a lot. That's too many. They need to restrict ticket sales. Make it more expensive or something. That's like outrageous. That's way too many. That's a lot of bodies. People. Oh, a lot of smelly bodies from what i've been told um but this is um this isn't too surprising i'm glad that they're looking at this and that they are like making a digital plan to say hey you know gamescom is the premier european games show we want to make sure that we're still trying to feature things and i'm interested to see what Keeley's going to do for our presentation style since, you know, we're not getting a digital E3 or at least a unified digital E3. We'll have to see, of course, what IGN Days of Summer turns out to be. But this makes me a little bit worried about PAX West. Yeah, yeah. I had the same thought because it's not that much further out and <clears throat> we're seeing more data about COVID and knowing that it may have another spike once people go back out into the world. It's, it's not well, looking great. of course great. it will. Like, that's just <laughs> math. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's just like how just it works. Math. Yeah. Yeah. Just sad math. It is. Yeah. It's just, I'm not going to get into, you know, the, you know, what would happen kind of thing because, you know, the last time I did that, it was a very different world. That was February, which feels like wild. That was that long ago. Um, and it's, everything changes every day. So there's no predicting anything. Correct. So I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen at this time next week. I don't think any, any of us know. And that's, I mean, the only thing we know is that uh, Gamescom won't be happening, at least in a physical capacity. That's what we know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because I want to see everybody and I want to go to Seattle. And I really just need to get out of the house, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Help me. (laughs) Just kidding. Everything's fine. You can go camping on your back patio. 
You have a little camp party. Yeah. Um. No. No, she's not buying it. She's not buying it. Look at that. Not look good at no, <laughs> you're not wrong. I could, but I don't have any camping gear. And there's coyotes in this neighborhood. So, dude, we had a coyote so at our front door not. the other day. Not, not like it approached our front door with like a briefcase, but we have a ring camera. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just like ran by our front door, just like came up to our house. And I mean, you ladies have seen there's like a long driveway. And it, okay. He made, us, made himself at home. Freaking mm-hmm. coyotes. Yeah. But you got to watch out for them. Yeah. Them coyotes. Coyotes. Um, well, well, I guess if you had plans to go to Gamescom, you should fix them, change them. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. I'm excited, though, about the opening night live. That's always fun. And we always get some pretty good announcements at that event. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we'll do a stream on it, if nothing else. That'll be fun. Yeah. Because we weren't going to get up early in the real. morning, have some breakfast drinks. And yes. yeah, we'll do some live. Re- we'll do some live reacts. I'm happy to commit to doing that right now. Yeah, I figured we would. I wonder what time it would be our time. Because if it's real early, that could be kind of fun. It was at 8 p.m. last year oh. in Germany. Oh, that's So that here bad. it was at like, um, I think it was at it's like 10 a.m. Or something. Because I think it's like a nine hour time change for us on the West Coast. It's eight or nine. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. 11 a.m. our time. We're good. Yeah. Make a little yeah. hot toddy. Knowing that they're doing more this year, they might start earlier. Who, who could say? <laughs> but I'm down to get up. At, at honestly, as long as it's not like three o'clock in the morning, I'm down. I think that'd and be Keely so fun. You won't do though. that to us. You won't do it, right, Jeff? You won't make oh, it at oh, three oh, o'clock oh, in the morning. Coming tomorrow. Games considering he's going to have to produce it from LA. I'm going to go with no. Yeah, probably not. Like he can't oh, go to Germany. Dude, didn't even, didn't even think about that. Oh yeah. Thanks, yeah. Simer, for dropping those lock bombs. <laughs> 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 Okay, um, and our next story is about the Dark Pictures Anthology. So I'll go ahead and read this one. The Dark Pictures, The Little Hope, is coming to curse your summer. This write-up comes from Destructoid. Bandai Namco has released the first trailer for Little Hope, the next terrifying adventure in the Dark Pictures Anthology. Once again, players will relive supernatural tales of terror as narrated by the omnipresent voice of a sinister figure known only as the curator. In Little Hope, players will take control of a group of students and their college professor who find themselves trapped in the titular secluded town Currently smothered by a mysterious and oppressive fog. Unfortunately for our protagonist, Little Hope has a particularly dark and disturbing history, having played host to the despicable and bloodstained witch trials of the 1600s. In Little Hope, players will be tasked with guiding the hapless heroes to safety as the miserable events of the town's past return to torture a new generation of innocents. Like Man of Madame before it, decisions and actions taken will influence the story and its events, as well as the ultimate fates of Little Hope's cast of characters. Launches on PS4, PC, and Xbox One this summer. Yay! So soon. This will be really fun. Yeah. I love playing this with you, with you guys. It was really fun. I know last time I played Man of Medan or what was the actual... Was it Man of Medan? What was the yeah. name? Yeah, it was the Dark Pictures Anthology Man of Medan. Medan. I played that first. You can say Medan. It's fine. They just said Medan at the event. So I was like, Medan. Chimera Squad. Or whatever it was. Exactly. Chimera Squad. Yeah. Anyway, no. Um, this trailer looks very spooky. As we all know, the witch hunts produced a lot of uh, terrible things. And as much as we wish we could say that, you know, it's nice, happy energy and everyone survived blissfully. Absolutely not what happened. So it's interesting uh, watching the trailer because it kind of alludes to were these people actually practicing witchcraft or were the people who accusing them 
were they influenced by something dark and sinister or was it something else entirely? And I kind of got the feeling that we'll be playing as some of the people in the 1600s because it shows a lot of CG of those characters moving around and saying things. So I think it'd be kind of fun if, you know, think about like the crossover. If the events, if you do things in the 1600s and Little Hope, if that impacts what your characters have to deal with in the current timeline. Could be interesting. Either way, I'm excited. Give me all the mm. dead things. <laughs> huh. I never thought about that as an angle, but I like it. So Britton and I were actually supposed to see this at GDC uh, last month, and we were going to get hands-on with the first couple of hours, and rip, that didn't happen. That um, didn't happen. <laughs> so I actually don't mind waiting, because with these narrative games, you kind of lose a little bit. Um, you know, a little bit of the surprise by playing it at a preview event. So I think I have a crush on the curator. Ooh, he's very dapper. Something about him. Yeah, I think I just want him to read me scary stories at night. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. <laughs> his little bedtime stories. <laughs> little bedtime stories. Tell me about all the little because there's like this little Blair Witchy looking doll thing, and I just want to tell tell me all about it, Mister Curator, in your nice suit vest. <laughs> Well, now I, we I'm know what Britney's be, kink is. No, like, I, yeah, did, I did didn't not know. know. This, this just literally awakened during me while I was watching this trailer. I was like, I'm kind of into it. I don't know. Mm. Something, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. To be continued. We'll see what happens when we stream this. We'll see how All I feel. Right. TBD indeed. All right. Next up, ESRB will now note in-game purchases in ratings. So we're not going to go over this story because Ree and I covered this on the Monday show. Um, but just as like a quick recap, as like in a case you missed it, um, loot boxes are now going to be part of ESRB ratings. Hooray! Good Yay. job, ESRB. You did it. You did the thing. Transparency. Huzzah. Exactly. Um, the next story is Sony announces $10 million fund to help indie games, giveaways, Uncharted Collection, and Journey. Stimer, you got this? Sure. Hi, TechCrunch. You wrote this article. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> today, Sony announced that they had earmarked $10 million for a, fund to dedica- for a fund dedicated to helping indie game developers that have seen negative impacts from the pandemic crisis. Sony didn't share much in the way of details around the fund, noting that more details would be available soon. Alongside the fund's announcement, Sony shared that in order to encourage more PlayStation users to stay indoors, they were making both Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection, and Journey available as free digital downloads on their digital store. The two bits of news are forming the basis for what PlayStation calls its Play at Home initiative. The titles will be available for free download uh, on April 15th, which is today, Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Friday, go get it uh, through May 5th. Cool. So you can go get get yourself some free games. Yeah. The Nathan Drake collection is Uncharted 1 through 3, if you weren't aware. I think this is really awesome. And Spider-Man is also part of... Oh, what is it? What's PlayStation's monthly thing called? I'm brain farting. Plus. PlayStation yes. Plus. So right now, it's a good time to be a PlayStation gamer. I think this is cool. I saw a lot of snark from people on online. I know that's hard to believe that people online can be assholes. <laughs> who, who, who would have thought? And they're like, oh, well, everyone already owns these games, so this isn't that great of an offering. Ooh. And I would like to say, shut your mouth. It's free. Don't complain. If you look at the attach rate, that is incorrect. Most people do yeah. not own these games. <laughs> I don't own them. Yeah. I'll be downloading and I'll be playing. I'm really excited to play go. Journey. I missed that back way back when. So wow, yeah, Journey's really? really great. Yeah. Oh, I I can't wait to hear your hear your thoughts on it. It's magical. I would highly encourage you to block off like three to four hours so you can play it in a single sitting. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. I just think it's a better 
experience for the game if you can play it in a single sitting. Yeah, but. I might do that maybe like this weekend. Get a good journey session going. Mm. Yeah, that'd be great. I think what's nice about it being free for everybody with you know that has PlayStation is that there there will probably be people that will, will actually play in your game because there's a really yeah. cool multiplayer component to it that I would imagine is pretty quiet <laughs> before <laughs> before they made it free just because it's been out for so long. But yeah, now you can have people to chirp at. It's going to be adorable. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Experience I think beauty. I only played this also for maybe thirty minutes back in the day. I don't oh, think I ever really? finished it. Yeah, I'm pretty no. Because you said chirp. Well, I'm like, now that you got something sound... to do this weekend. It's true. Maybe I'll sit down Yakuza Five and I'll uh, <laughs> tear yourself short. away. So I can't stop. Yeah. Won't stop with that series. Okay, cool. Very, highly, very highly, highly recommend. Cannot recommend Journey enough. It's it's one of the I think definitive video games of this generation, like without question. There you go. So, Are you guys ready to talk about the some, decade? Some Cooking no. Mama. Yeah, this whole, this whole okay, thing me has with just it. been bizarre. Okay, Brittany, are you caught up on this whole Cookie Mama? I've read like, this article, and happening? then there was something else that I, something batshit crazy that happened. I think it was like early last week or the week before, but I can't remember. It was something about fraud or what was it? Yeah, so I mean, this hopefully this. Polygon recaps a little bit of it here, but essentially, there's been this drama going on with Cookie Mama. <laughs> And I just can been kind of like putting it to the back burner because I was like, yo, there's a lot of other shit going on in the world. But now it's I getting juicy. With Cookie Mama. Um, but uh, take it away. Alrighty. Uh, I was trying to find out. The, I think it was like Bitcoin or something weird that was going yeah. on that I was trying to find. Okay. Cooking Mama controversy continues from Polygon. Cooking Mama Cookstar. I got to admit, I always think it says Cockstar. Sorry. Mine is totally, <laughs> totally in the gutter, but it's great. Was slated to be the first Cooking Mama franchise game on Nintendo Switch. And I guess it still is, despite some troubles. Cooking Mama Cookstar is reportedly an unauthorized, unauthorized version that was never intended for sale. According to intellectual property holder Office Create Corp. Despite that, it was released in North America, Europe, and Australia. Physical copies are available online, but it was available only briefly on the Nintendo Switch eShop. Planet Entertainment was also reportedly promoting a PlayStation 4 version that was never officially licensed. Now, Office Create is seeking, quote, all legal action against Cooking Mama Cookstar publisher Planet Entertainment, as said in a notice posted to its website Wednesday. Office Create Create Corp said Cookie Mama Cookstar didn't meet its quality standards when it was when it submitted to the IP holder and Office Create Corp. This is a fucking tongue twister. Wanted developer <laughs> first playable to fix parts of the game. There we go. Instead, Planet Entertainment released the game according to the statement. Office Create Corp has since terminated its licensing deal with Planet Entertainment due to the intentional material breach of the license contract. Planet Entertainment addressed Office Create Corp's statement in a Twitter post on Wednesday. It says Planet is fully within its right to publish Cooking Mama Cookstar and that there is no active litigation or ruling that prevents Planet from publishing the game. The dispute between Office Create and Planet arose when the game was near completion Planet says Office Create asked for changes that were outside the scope of its agreement and game design originally approved by the IP holder. Yikes. Whoa. What? Yikes. Yeah, it's kind of funny because earlier this morning I was reading because I was just getting caught up with all of the news and whatnot that I had missed. And it was the cre- the developer saying they should never have published this. And now the publishers are coming back. Be like, oh, we had everything with it. So it's like unfolding as the day goes on. So some stupid video game drama for you. And so the other controversy was that 
Cookie Mama could have been a Bitcoin miner or something. Mm -hmm. There was that whole thing going on as well. And then, of course, they came back and they're like, no, that's not happening. It's just kind of funny of all the IPs for this to be happening. It's a Cookie Mama game. I mean, cooking is very dramatic. (laughs) I guess so. I don't know. It definitely can be. You think of like this chill game where like I used to really like Cooking Mama. Yeah. Yeah, that was those are definitely like chill games. You'd go, and, I mean, they would eventually ramp up, but you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'll make some stuff, make some." I don't know why. I don't know what the appeal of it was, but <laughs> it worked. So, <gasps> what well, you cook? Is that all yeah. it is? Oh, I mean, from what I play, I don't remember which one I played now because there's been so many that woof. But I've definitely played Cooking Mamas before. I just do not remember which specific ones. <laughs> Yeah, it just feels like this whole thing is so weird. And, like, I I honestly am confused how Nintendo's publishing team did not catch this and how they did not look at the, the certification or look at the game or, or check with everybody. Because, generally speaking, when you're publishing on console, and, Steimer, you could probably speak to this better than I could, is, like, you know, there's a multi-step certification process that you have to go through to submit your game code, and you actually have to have, like, a person. It's not like it's just all bot-driven. Like, people actually review each of those codes for to make sure that it meets X standards, right? Isn't that correct? Yeah, people check. But, I, but what could have happened is it's just one or the other, right? So either the publisher is submitting everything or the developer is submitting everything. And that could have been, like, the disconnect there. I don't know. I obviously mm. don't know what specifically happened here. It sounds like a lot. But, yeah, uh, there's that. Know. And then there were the, um, here, a lot of the confusion surrounding the game stems from the reported inclusion of blockchain involvement, which was mentioned in a February 2018 press release. And then, of course, the developers have responded to that. And data miners have gone in and say it's not mining Bitcoin. So, like, don't worry. We've checked it. And then there were the rumors about the game overheating switch systems. And it's, I mean, I'd have to do some more digging to figure out where this is all coming from, but I just think it's, I mean, it's unfortunate for the developers, of course, but it's just kind of silly that, like, all of this over a Cooking Mama game. You know, it's just, you know, I don't know why. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get, it, get it. Interesting. Okay, then we'll move on. <laughs> uh, next up, Fortnite's new season has been delayed. That's it. That's the story. That's it's it. been delayed. It's coming... On June, June 4th. 4th. Ah. Surprise. That sucks. The pandemic has made things get delayed. News at 11. Um, okay. Uh, next story. <laughs> um, do, wait, do you want to read this or do you want to react to this? I just want to react. Okay. Rihanna. Would yeah. you do oh, baby Rihanna? girl. I got you. Is this your first Resident <laughs> Evil read where I get to grunt along? I think it is. So Ooh. I'm going to enjoy it a lot. We have a bright future ahead of us. <laughs> All right, here we go. More Resident Evil rumors. Resident Evil. Why not in giant letters? (laughs) Ah, I live for this shit. Resident Evil 4 remake details emerge. A quote, larger team than three. And this is from Video Games Chronicle. Revealed via VGC via a VGC story last weekend, and since been corroborated by Gematsu. Uh, the Resident Evil 4 remake has now entered full production with an estimated release window in 2022. The project is in development at Osaka-based M-2, the new studio founded by former Platinum Games head oh, Tatsuya, Tatsuya Minami. You did very good. 
Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, which has been preparing for its development since 2018. Uh, and this is from development sources talking to VGC. According to noted insider Dusk Gollum, who also confirmed VGC's report, Resident Evil 4 has a larger development team than the series' previous two remakes, including support from Capcom's internal Resident Evil 2 and Devil May Cry 5 teams. Many original Resident Evil 4 developers remain among these teams, VGC understands, including producer Hiroyuki Kobayashi, who recently worked on Mega Man 11, and designer Kouji Kakae? Nailed it. Yeah? Okay, cool. (laughs) Who recently worked on Devil May Cry 5. 2005's Resident Evil 4 is Capcom's highest-rated game of all time, according to review aggregation site Metacritic, with sales totaling 7.5 million copies across various platforms. Resident Evil 4's original director, Shinji Mikami, was approached to co-fund M-2 but turned down the role due to his commitment to working on Bethesda's Ghostwire Tokyo, VGC was told. It's understood that the remake has Mikami's blessing, and he has provided informal advice on its direction. Oh. (laughs) Okay. So I've always said that I don't think Resident Evil 4 needs to be remade. In fact, VG Chronicle put out a poll, and they asked, like, granted, very small slice, only 9,000 votes, roughly, but 45% of the people said they didn't think that Resident Evil 4 needed to be remade. 38% said yes, and 15% wasn't sure and this game i'm not sure how familiar you ladies are with like the history of all of the remakes it's had but i have a little list here a little list we'll just take a little trip okay so originally released on gamecube in january of 2005 it then released on playstation 2 in october of 2005 and during that they added some new stuff there was a pc port in march of 2007 which was oddly published by ubisoft and Resident Evil 4, th- there was a Resident Evil 4 Wii edition that released in summer 2007, and then in a Wii U version in 2015. There's a Resident Evil 4 mobile edition that released in Japan in 2008. I'm there's sorry a Resident- to interrupt you. Steimer has frozen. <laughs> oh, she- is it the perfect face? Oh, it was is, the is face. She- it was the Steimer face. It's like all, all, all the numbers floating around are like the Winona Ryder gif. It's perfect. Um, continue on. Continue. Oh, we're not. We're only halfway through all this. Uh, there's Resident Evil 4 Mobile Edition in 2008. Then it got ported to iPad. Resident Evil 4 HD for Xbox 360 and PS3 was released in 2011. And then February 2014, there's Resident Evil 4 Ultimate HD Edition for Windows. RE4 HD was re-released for PS4 and Xbox One in 2016. And then last May, we got Resident Evil 4 on Switch. So, so we've got has, a lot of Resident Evil 4. Oh, if you want to play, I'd say if you want to play Resident Evil 4, you can play almost anywhere. So, wow, I, is it I, like Skyrim level at this point? I, well, I think it, it just needs to come to Alexa, and then we're there. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's all it is. No, it's it's interesting. I wouldn't personally pick this one, but I know, like they said, this is when people you know ask what's your favorite Resident Evil. More often than not, they're going to say Resident Evil 4. And personally, it's not my favorite Resident Evil. It's I understand that it kind of kickstarted the series in a new direction and it breathed new life, but it's a little too far from like the T virus and umbrella conspiracy shit that I love. But so for that reason, it's not my favorite, but I'm thinking I need to probably replay it. Cause if these rumors are true and, um, then, you know, I got to get re familiar with it, familiarize myself with it. I've heard that it hasn't aged totally. It hasn't aged well, which makes sense. I mean, you can only put on a fresh coat of paint and that only can fix so much. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, this sounds like this would be the 2022 game, correct? I think that's what mm-hmm. the article said. And then mm-hmm. next year, there's all those Resident Evil Village rumors. Apparently, that's Resident Evil Eight, and they're getting all sexy with the Roman numerals and making the the village the V I I, the uh, yeah the the V one one the final. Oh, I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And apparently, uh, Chris Redfield's getting another makeover. Poor guy, he gets re- he gets a makeover every game because they just can't nail his look right. Anyway, <laughs> it's a good time to be a Resident Evil fan, even if these are just rumors. They're still kind of fun, and I think as we've seen, most of the leaks regarding Resident Evil have come to fruition. So I think these people do have pretty good intel. So there's a good chance this is correct. It's interesting that. It's the highest Metacritic-reviewed game. I did not know that about Resident Evil 4, that it has a 96 on Metacritic. And to be clear, it's based on 38 reviews, because back in the day, there weren't exactly a lot of websites that were reviewing video games, right? In the PS2 era, the user score on 1,400, well, 1,465 to be technical, uh, is 9.0, which of course is also very difficult to get in this day and age of people just like giving it a one because they're just mad at life. They're like, I hate this game. (laughs) (laughs) One. Um, But looking looking at the trailer that they have on the Metacritic site, I think this would definitely benefit visually, not talking about content, not talking about gameplay, just visually could benefit from a re-release in the new RE engine that they have in the style of RE2 and RE3 remakes. I think people will definitely buy this again and play it again if it's really this great of a a game. But I think it's interesting that it opens up a bigger conversation about, you know, when do you say, let's leave a game... In its original form, this game clearly has close to a perfect score, which is really hard to get in video games. And why don't we just leave it alone and let it be and let it be a piece of history? Like, is there a moment for you ladies where you go, I just want this game to be this game? Or is a good game always something worth remaking in your minds? I I think about my favorite games on Super Nintendo, like Super Mario RPG and Earthbound. And I don't think those are games where I don't think they could benefit from a remake. So I don't think they would translate incredibly well in today's day and age. I think when it comes to Capcom right now specifically, I mean, look how well Resident Evil 2 did. And I think Resident Evil 3 fell, I mean, a little flat, but I think it's still performing incredibly well for them. So why not keep those cash bucks flowing in, right, with Resident Evil 4? I think the industry would collectively... I mean, I, I think people would be upset because people are always upset when things are announced, regardless of how good it is or not. Because uh, a lot of people, like you said, they have that mindset of this game doesn't need to be remade. It's good enough the way it is. But I think we have that nostalgia that if you were to go back and play Resident Evil 4, the nostalgia will get you so far. But you can't deny that the game has its data. It has those QTEs. It's pretty clunky. And mm, yeah, I think, yeah. I think as for Capcom, their plan right now is remake the games because, I mean, again, RE2, RE3 did pretty darn good. Because they're making them some money. <laughs> they're making them lots of money. And then mm-hmm. between that, we'll do the the, num- the numbered series. And I think if they announce an RE4 remake, depending on if it is M2, it's it's a good st- – and the people heading the studio, and if it has Shinji Mikami's blessing, I think people will be more excited about it. But obviously, these are just rumors, right? And so, in this case, I think once the info kind of comes out, it'll we'll see how it plays out. But hmm. I thought all of the remakes have had his blessing so far. Isn't that the case? I don't know off the top of my head. I'm assuming they did. 
I thought I, I thought so. for sure because he's been you know he was working on the Evil Within and the Evil Within Two with Bethesda. And now he's got this new game um, that he's working on, and so he's been like really out of like Capcom's you know sphere for a long time. And I think it's great that he has given them their blessing. I think what we've seen from RE2 and RE3 Remake, we can have, you know, good expectations for RE4 as long as they keep the fan favorite moments in and not cut things, which I think, you know, yeah. Britt talked about why she thought that RE3 suffered was because they cut things that they didn't need to cut and that the additions didn't really make up for the cuts. But mm-hmm. So hopefully that's not going to be the case with this game. But yeah, I mean... Oh. Do they need to make it? No. I wanted to but... show you, ladies. Have you, oh, have you seen yes. this before? It's Wait, the... Uh, can you see it? I don't know what I'm looking yeah. at. <laughs> hold on. Let me let me give you full screen. Okay. Yeah. This okay, is hold the... I'll hold, this is a Resident Evil 4 chainsaw controller. What? what? Wait, wow. What? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How do you even hold that thing? Uh, you can, and That's it's totally said? playable. So this is a PlayStation 2 controller. I'm not sure <laughs> if... I think there was also a GameCube one made. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, yeah. So this was made as a collector's edition, as a collector's item from Newbie Tech, I believe. And I got this as a Christmas present from Jason. I think just this last year. But yeah, this is a fully like working controller, and it's based off of one of the Resident Evil Four uh, characters, Chainsaw Man or Doctor Doctor Something. It was his name, and he's a guy with a burlap sack over his head, and he chases you around the the game with a chainsaw. He shows up a few times, <laughs> but if you pull, there's a string I think somewhere on here. If you pull it, it makes a chainsaw sound. Anyway, oh, I just thought that Doctor Salvador. Cool. Salvador, yeah, there we go. But yeah, like it's I like legit. Mr. Chainsaw Man a little better. I know yeah. me too. Sounds like but I song. thought that was kind of interesting that you can like. Th- I saw a review on this controller from IGN from 2005. I think is when it. Wow. I think it, it's like it looks really cool, but it's not great to play games with it because the, the L buttons and R buttons are kind of scattered all throughout. But <laughs> that's my show and tell contribution for the episode. Oh, I like it. Thanks. <laughs> well, um, we did also, you know, like mentioned briefly, talked about this on Monday too, but we'll keep an eye on it. And clearly, it's happening let's just let's, let's just be honest yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's happening um and that's gonna do it for our news for this week it was a long one but a goodie lots of interesting tidbits in there when we come back we're gonna talk about what we've been playing rihanna and i streamed the valorant beta which we're going to be chatting about and of course you know we've got way more to say now that we've got Brittany back to talk about final fantasy 7 remake stick with us everybody we'll be right back good everybody welcome back at segment two of the what's good games podcast this is where we talk about what we've been playing and hands-on impressions with games that aren't out yet and this week we're going to be talking about one game that isn't out yet and one game that i feel like everybody is playing right now so it's going to be a good discussion but before we get to that i want to tell you that it's brought to you by bespoke post if your mailbox is anything like mine Then 90% of the time, it's a fairly depressing place. Political flyers, utility bills, unholy amounts of coupons. I mean, really, who's bringing paper coupons to the grocery stores these days? But once a month, 
I do have a reason to be stoked, and that's because of Box of Awesome from Bespoke Post. So we've talked about our Box of Awesome on the show before, and there's a couple of good ones that you know we have been putting into a lot of use. I know that Steimer has her Moscow Mule copper mugs. Britt's got her whiskey glasses. And I have my grown-up desk items, which I've actually been using a lot more of now that I work from home. I've got my fancy little leather pad and my fancy little timer. But I digress because Box of Awesome has a lot of new things that are available now because those are actually from quite some time ago. So in case you guys were wondering, Bespoke Post is the name of the company and they send people only the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. If you guys want to check out what the newest boxes of awesome are, you can, of course, go to boxofawesome.com and use code what's good at checkout, which we'll get to in just a second. But I recently went because Steimer was like, OMG, there's a box that has Andrea's name on it. And I hadn't logged in for like a week or two to check what the new boxes were, but they have this new one called Brute. And I knew immediately that this was a champagne <laughs> box. And I was like, oh, gee, I, like I got to get this for what's good wine. Um, so essentially what they do is they have a collection of boxes that kind of vary depending on what your interests are. They have things that are geared towards grooming or geared towards uh, homeware. Brute is all about showing your champagne who's boss. And it comes with this badass looking champagne saber, which is essentially like a really fancy knife and two beautiful champagne flutes. And it's interesting because sabering a bottle of champagne is generally a very, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Celebratory affair. You don't just bring out the champagne saber for just anything because you guys know I'm a fan of drinking champagne literally whenever, but you don't saber a bottle whenever because first off, it's kind of messy. Second off, like if you're by yourself, like you, everybody is right now, you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this big thing and then no one's around to watch it. <laughs> But I'm going to be ready once the next event comes around because I'm going to get me this Brute Box for sure. If you guys want to get started, all you have to do is take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers are going to help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, as I've mentioned. And it's free to sign up. You can skip or cancel anytime. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. You know me. I love a deal. If you guys want to get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com, you've got to enter code what's good at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code what's good for 20% off your first box. One more time, boxofawesome.com with that promo code what's good for 20% off at checkout. All right, so you guys may have heard there's a game that's out right now in closed beta from Riot Games called Valorant. And Rihanna and I decided to jump into some matches with our friend Lucigen and see how it goes. So, Ree, you and I got to stream this this we did. week. We did. And, and yeah. How do you, how do you feel about, about how it went? Um, the game is good. I am not... 
It's like a weird haiku or something. I don't know. I I like the dramatic pause. Okay, so before we get into the gameplay, so for people who aren't familiar, Valorant is a tactical 5v5 first-person shooter. As I mentioned, Riot Games publishes it, and Riot Games gave us access to the closed beta, both Rihanna and myself. And so we were playing, and right now the only way to get access is to watch people stream the game on Twitch. They recently just opened up who can stream and get drops because before it was a select group of streamers where you would have to watch and get uh, Twitch drops and then you could get access to the beta. Of course, you have to sign up at the website first and get everything registered with your uh, Riot account. And then you would watch all these streamers and cross your fingers that you would get access. And so now they've opened it up so a lot more people can get into the closed beta now. They don't have any details on when it's going out of closed beta. Um, Hopefully this year, I think, is the assumption. They don't have details of when it's going into full publish. I would imagine either later this year, but more likely sometime next year would be my thought. And they haven't really talked about console yet because it's just PC only right now. So I think what Rihanna kind of buried the lead at was (laughs) that – it's mouse and keyboard only, which <laughs> neither she or I remembered until we agreed to play this game together. And then we're like, uh, oh, and oh, you streamed um, it. You yeah. brave, we, don't, brave uh, girls. we don't play with mouse and keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, a very different experience from what Aaron and I are used to, which is controllers. And um, we talked about this a little bit on Monday, but the skills, I wish they were transferable. Um Sometimes they're not, and when I get cornered or when I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do for my abilities, my left hand freaks the fuck out, and I can't do what my brain is telling it to do, or yep. yeah, or what I see on the screen doesn't match what I think my hand is doing, and yeah, it's a, there's a disconnect for me personally, but the actual game itself is super, super fun, and actually really fun to watch, so the the whole tactic of doing the Twitch stream drops for access is, is pretty great. I think it's working out really well. So how does that Yeah, it's work? really interesting. Oh, sorry, Brittany, go ahead. So how does that work? You have to watch to get in? Um, so I... I would probably, I mean, I mean, obviously, I, you guys know we've said before, it's time for works at Riot. Um, do you want to explain how the drops work, or do you want to say nothing during this segment? Um, I'll probably err on the side of nothing, but that being said, there are there's resources out there that explain how it works. Um, people at I Twitch have tweeted a lot about it, so okay, there's stuff def- you can you can definitely go find. I it can info. Google it. You can <laughs> Google it. Google you can go to the Google machine, and it will tell you. I will actually go to the Google machine myself. Mm. So over at The Verge, they write that Riot is expanding access to the Valorant beta starting today, which is not technically today. was a couple of days ago now. Um, They're going to make it easier to gain access to the closed beta of its popular tactical shooter, Valorant, the game developer announced this week. Now, not just select Twitch streamers, but all Twitch streamers who have access to the game can now drop coveted beta access keys so long as those streamers playing are actively live streaming in the game and turn on the in-game drops feature. So that's the key. Ah. Whoever's streaming has to turn that on. They should make it much easier for eager Valorant fans to gain access to the game by watching different streamers and not just the select few that Riot gave early access to and partnered with for key distribution. To do good by the game's fast-growing community, Riot says it's also gone through thousands of the most dedicated Twitch users who've been eagerly awaiting a key by watching streams day and night and manually giving them access. Thank you, your internet and your eyeballs, reads the blog post by lead producer Anna Donlan and game director Joe Ziegler. 
So if you guys want to follow um, what's happening with the beta access, of course, at Play Valorant is the Twitter account. They've got lots of updates and they post trailers and and stuff like that. Um, it says, in addition to the change in how beta keys are dropped, right, is also increasing its server load capacity by 25%. Oh. My cat needed to get out of the studio. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, for new players and Donlin and Ziegler says that Riot also has banned a number of account sellers and are actively tracking more to ban um, and their little write up here Valorant which I was just about to get into the des- description of the game a tactical shooter influenced heavily by Valve's Counter-Strike Global Offensive and Blizzard's Overwatch entered into closed beta last week with an explosively popular launch thanks in part to tying keys for the beta to watching popular streamers on Twitch. Not only did Valorant break the single day watch record with 34 million hours watched, but it also came in second for the highest concurrent stream account behind only Riot's 2019 League of Legends World Championship. Wow. Wow. Since then, Riot tells The Verge, Valorant has amassed 165 million watch hours breaking another Twitch viewership record, a company spokesperson said. The game won't come out for months, but esports and gaming lifestyle company 100 Thieves held the first invitational tournament. How's that possible? (laughs) (laughs) To another wave of massive viewership. I guess when, like, all of your esports players have access, you can hold, like, a a friends and family kind of tournament. Um, Valorant is already well-positioned to be a popular esport, partly because it bucks industry trends by moving away from the Battle Royale genre. So it's no surprise scores of fans have want in, wanted in on the beta. Um, so essentially, like, hmm. that <laughs> that gives you information about what's happening with the beta. It doesn't technically tell you how the drops work. That's okay. <laughs> I, I know more than I did. Yeah. So I think, like, the idea is, like, you have to have a certain amount of things happening to increase your odds. Like, you have to be watching the stream because Twitch has tools that can detect when you are in a different tab in your browser for example you can't just have it playing in a different tab um they have tools that detect when you have it on mute they have tools that when they detect if you're using the hashtags etc etc there's all like a laundry wow. list of things that you can do to increase your odds of or hypothetically increase your odds because nobody really knows what the odds are because spoilers riot's not telling anybody <laughs> Um, but it's an interesting idea. I've never seen a game or a company do a beta launch like this where they tie it specifically. But what Rhea and I talked about on Monday was that we thought it was really smart of them, just like the article that we quoted on Monday from Sam over at Ars Technica, was that it makes a lot of sense that you want people to watch what are arguably like professional gamers. Some of them are actually esports players, but some of them are just like professional streamers. Um, play something so that you get an idea of how the gameplay is supposed to work before you just dump a bunch of people into a beta that have no idea about the precision that's involved in this type of a shooter. And so I think that's what Rihanna is trying to get to here. We're going to go right back to you now, Rihanna, about <laughs> why you struggled so difficult uh, with the difficulty. And it wasn't just because you were working with mouse and keyboards because the game is also just hard. Yeah, yeah. The skill level is, um, I mean, it's easy to understand. You run around and you shoot things, but the the ceiling for skill level is pretty, pretty high. And I am not a CSGO player. I don't have that level of familiarity. Um, I don't know the map very well because, again, this is new. I've watched some Twitch streams, but not enough to understand exactly where people are going to be or where my teammates are going to go. And you can through you can shoot through a certain number of surfaces in this game. So I don't have the 
finger skills, the map awareness, or the context of playing years and years of CSGO to really jump in and be good right away. And um, a lot of people that I watch do. They, they have a lot of that stuff. So um, there is a bit of a disconnect between what I'm watching people do and what I'm doing, because obviously I can't perform at that level. I am not a professional PC player. And um, uh, even with all of that, I still kind of had fun. So I think that's saying something. And if you do have a drop, I would say definitely go in and try it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So we had two game sessions. So we first played um, like last week, I think it was. And then we came back and decided to do a stream because I know that some people had been requesting for me. They're like, oh, I saw that you had a key and that you're playing. We'd really love to see some gameplay. And it was great because we did get some some new people to the channel that were just looking at Valorant streams, which was awesome. Um, but I think like the thing that I really struggled with in addition to just being bad at WASD, right, was like, it's a, I have to like unlearn like years and years of FPS gameplay because I also was not a Counter-Strike player. And like the thing with Valorant that they keep really hammering home is that precision is key. Like on the Valorant website, they say shooting in Valorant is precise, consequential and highly lethal. We want you to win on your skill and strategy alone. And it's interesting that you know, they decided to go in this direction. Obviously, Riot has a gigantic esports presence through League, so no surprise anything that they're going to be making probably has esports in mind from the get-go. But I'm going to be curious to see how this game really hits with a wider audience that maybe doesn't have the time to dedicate towards learning these precise controls. Because one of the things that we that Rhi and I noted right away was that you can't strafe at all. In no, you game. cannot. <laughs> like there's no strafing at all. Like you can't move side to side. You can't move front and back when you have, when you're aiming down sights, like the bullet spray goes all over the place and your accuracy goes way down. God. I mean, it's very counter-strike in that sense. It was interesting when I, when we were playing, there was a lot of people in the chat that kept being like, Andrea, put, keep your crosshairs up, keep your crosshairs up. Cause I just had a reflex, like kind of lower my sights. Cause I, I'm an ADS player. Like I always aim down sights when I'm engaging with people. And this game, you you can't really. When you're in ADS mode, like you move much slower. And there's a lot of guns that do not have any kind of range whatsoever, which I thought really frustrating because I am more of a, a mid to long range person. I don't like close quarters engagements. I've never been a shotgun player in PvP. And in this game, like you have to be like really, really precise because they heavily weight headshots in damage and versus body shots. And there's just like I think for me, it's just about a muscle memory thing. And I just was, like I said in my stream, on the struggle bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a lot of struggle bus moments. And there, there's also a, a certain amount of a learning curve as far as knowing the different characters and their abilities and um, the different loadouts that they can you can buy at the beginning of each each round. But So if, who did you get to play as? Were there different characters in the beta? Yeah, so there's yeah. a couple. I'd I mean, be yeah, the I'd longer be you play, the more. By this gnat. Oh. Steinberg, do you remember Bartholomew the gnat? I, from I way... do remember him. Oh, yeah. that fucker's back with a vengeance. He's out for oh. my head. Is this Bartholomew Jr., perhaps? Oh, yeah, because I think I killed Bartholomew. Yeah, yeah I think this is. Him. Yeah, this is the heir of Bartholomew. <laughs> He's back <laughs> to get me. Okay. Anywho, characters in this beta. <laughs> Um, so you can unlock agents. So they're called agents in Valorant, and you can unlock them once you've put a certain amount of playtime in and earned 
whatever the in-game currency is. But I can't remember. Um, and obviously this game is free to play, but they're not the unlocking the characters is not tied to money. It's just tied to game time and play time, which is, you know, smart. The thing to do, at least for right now. I don't know how that's going to go later. Anyway, um, but there's a variety of characters. So the character that you were playing, what's the character's name? Um, I played mostly Ray's that, that last time we played. So this is uh, like the grenadier sort of heavy um, explosives character. Oh, yeah, that's right. So the characters are, are, are interesting. They definitely have a very Overwatch vibe. They have a very specific set of skills that they use. They have a very specific dynamic. And boy, are they chatty Cathy's oh, yeah. for, for, for NPCs. The voice NPCs, acting is vast, too. and I am a big fan of it. Big, big fan. I think some of the the one-liners are a little, like, cringeworthy. At I least like that, from though. What I've, you, you're into it? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a nice contrast to me feeling so inept and, and unqualified <laughs> to have something <laughs> to laugh at. So is okay, that... I see what you're saying there. New question. So is it just trios you can play with right now or? Five. No, it's 5v5. Five, five oh, 5v5. Five so, okay. Yeah. So you can go in solo and matchmaking. You can go in with a full team of five. We were playing as a team of three. And then on the stream, um, Craig's friend, Matt, um, who crushed because he's a longtime Counter-Strike player, mm-hmm. um, came in and played with us and and, and really kind of carried, carried us because both Rhea and I were like, sorry, we suck so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we did okay. We did okay with kills. That one match, though, I had like one kill, which was not great uh, for me. But, you know, I, at least I went in with a disclaimer that I'm not great with mouse and keyboard. But I think what's been interesting is hearing perspectives from people who are Counter-Strike players and what they find interesting. And so what he, what he was saying was that the thing that he's been really enjoying about it so far is that there's such a unique sense of gameplay that the agents bring to the field with all of their different abilities so one of the characters that I really enjoyed playing is more of a support character called Sage. And she has a couple of different abilities. One of them is the ability to kind of put a wall up so she can block off entryways. So when you're defending or attacking a specific position, if you want to, you know, guard yourself, you can put this wall up. I mean, enemies can eventually shoot through it, but it's a nice kind of block. And then she has these uh, kind of area of effect they're not grenades, but they're like like orbs that she throws on the ground and they put like a slow and damage effect on the floor. And then her healing ability has been really helpful. So she can heal teammates or herself for a set amount of HP. And then her ultimate is that she can resurrect a teammate that's been killed. So in order to get your ultimate charge, you have to play... It depends on which character you have. The ultimates I found charge kind of at different... Different, different rates. times. Yeah. Um, and I don't know quite how they're how they're tied, if they're tied specifically to in-game performance or kills or like um like bomb plants or what. I would have to look up exactly how they time the ultimate uh refreshing, but I found it different depending on which character you were playing with. Some characters I only got their ultimate charge like one time the whole match. Other characters I got it a couple of times. And it just thought it was interesting the dynamic of bringing in that really precise Counter-Strike gameplay, but you're adding in this variable of um 
I don't. I mean, everyone keeps going back to Overwatch, but I honestly felt it, it felt more like Rainbow Six to me, yeah. in operators, than it did like Overwatch. And I think people are just going to Overwatch because of the art style, because the art style looks very Overwatchy. But when we were playing, we kept talking about Rainbow Six because Rainbow Six is also a five v five squad based tactical shooter, and so it felt more like that than it did like Overwatch for me. And granted, I haven't played nearly as much Overwatch as I have R six, but re. You know, did you kind of get those same vibes? And if yes, like what was it about Valorant's gameplay that kind of made you think of Rainbow? Yeah, I, I would say definitely the angles that you hold, watching corners, like knowing where people are going to show up and and very, very precise shooting felt very much like Rainbow Six in the best way because I'm actually okay at Rainbow Six. So that was a skill I was able to use and call upon. But um, I understand the Overwatch comparisons as far as like the hero's color and character and and vastly different abilities but but it felt more like rainbow for me in the way that you communicate with your team and the strategies that you employ and like running over like like matt had an amazing moment when we played for instance where he ran around a corner so that the opposing team would hear his footsteps and then he snuck back the other direction to flank them because he knew they would be running after his footsteps and then got a triple kill like that felt like a rainbow six move yeah it was an amazing moment and oh um, yeah we have it clipped on on the channel it's uh it was a great, we were all watching because we were all dead. Yeah. <laughs> and we were all just like, oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah, uh, there's there's some good highlights in there for sure. And, and very much yeah. like Rainbow Six moments. Yeah, I, I'm so with you there that it feels like some of the tactics that you have to use. And this is like the one game mode that we saw. And from what I at least read from other people on like Reddit is that I, and I would need to get an official, uh, an official like, um, answer from from Riot's PR team, but it sounds like this is like the only mode that they're going forward with as at 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 the time at this time, and which makes sense. Like you don't want to you know do too many modes um, to kind of confuse people, especially when it's such a different style of play. But I I like the the concept. I want to play more because I think the characters are interesting. I want to learn more. I'm really afraid though. That because right now this is PC only, that this is going to be rife not only with cheat bots, which is a problem that Riot has always dealt with and that any online shooter deals with, particularly in PC, and that they've already been dealing with in the beta, um, but also that it's going to be so tailored towards pro streamers or esports players that it's going to be hard to find matchmaking with casuals. And that's kind of a bummer for me because yeah. I'm like, oh, this seems like a really cool game that I'd love to play. And like, that's what I love about playing in Rainbow Six is that we could just do a quick play. We can do unranked matches. And there's a bunch of different styles of play. And that more importantly, you can also play in against waves of bots. Like as of right now, there's not really a PVE mode where you can go in with a team or matchmake with a team and play against bots. And I hope that's something that they add eventually, at least for training. You can do training on your own. Right now, but I don't think you can do training with a team. No. Question mark. Not that I've seen. But I would hope that they add something like that because I would love to be able to go in and play against bots with a team because I think it's I think it's fun and I would like to you know hashtag get good. <laughs> um, but I mean, the amount of hours that I would have to put in to get good is you know way too many. 
even Matt, when he was talking about how many hours he put, what did he say, over a thousand hours into Counter Strike? Yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. And I was like, mm, I'm probably not gonna play a thousand hours of Valorant. <sighs> probably not. Um, but listen, I really did enjoy my time. But I, no. I, I kind of scratched my head and go, who is this long term audience going to be? You yeah. know. Not me. I can tell you that right now. I'm happy you guys had a good time with it, but hearing that you have to actually be good. And it's very like for the serious sallies of the world. Oh, no. I am oh, yeah. so far gone. I'll stick to my Yakuza world. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, this is definitely not a, a spray and pray. That, kind of yeah, a game. that's my only strategy I have in any shooter whatsoever. And if I cannot, hello, Bartholomew, you're back. If I can't do that, <laughs> then. Uh, uh. And they don't have kill cams. I hate that. Yeah, no kill cams. We were talking to Matt about that. He was like, Counter-Strike doesn't have kill cams. I go, yeah, but Rainbow does. And it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect communication. It's like, yeah, so somebody can see where somebody is at. So what? Like, it doesn't matter. The maps are so much bigger in Valorant than they are in Rainbow that like, I don't understand like why there's no kill cam. I think especially from, from an educational purpose and trying to get better at the game, like it helps so much to know kind of where people go and. I was really disappointed. I don't know if that's just a closed beta feature or if that's something that they're going to move forward with, but I hope they fix that or change that yeah. if they're not planning to. Not that Riot cares what I think. But. <laughs> Pro eSports, Andrew Renee, everybody. <laughs> JK, but it was fun. So yeah. thanks to Riot for giving us access to the beta. Hopefully, Ree and I can play a little bit more and show you how... Show me how to you know, do it. Show how me. not great we are. But we, we have to show you something. I don't know if it'll be how to do it right. Gen and and Omni are. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm so easily impressed when it comes to shooters that you could do anything, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, look how good they are!" Because anything compared to my skill level is like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we had such a hard time in GTFO. It all becomes clear. Oh no, no, no! Listen, my turret had a mind of its own. Listen, I can't even shoot enemies, let alone my teammates. Okay, so like, it was not me. I blame the friendly fire. (laughs) all right that's gonna do it for our valorant talk because let's be honest we all really want to talk about final fantasy (laughs) okay so i admittedly have not listened to the show last week so can you just like all of y'all briefly run me down like where you're at and how you feel about it sure so just as a reminder we're keeping this conversation spoiler free however we will still be talking about characters and things like that. So if you really want to go in 100% blind, now is the time to say, hey, thanks, ladies. Great show. We'll see you next week because we're Bye. probably going to be talking about Final Fantasy for the rest of the show. Um, so mm-hmm. you have your fair warning. Okay. Now They're that gone. those They're people gone. are like, goodbye. Um, last week, Steimer and I talked about, about the ten, first 10 to 15 hours of the game. We think we were probably up through... Maybe like chapter eight or nine, roughly. What do you think, Steimer? No, I was a little far. I was definitely like 11 or 12. Or okay, maybe, yeah, maybe like f- 10. I don't know, 10 or 11, something around there. You were further than me. And um, before we get further into the conversation, just before I forget, I do want to make a disclaimer that I want to acknowledge that Square Enix provided us advanced copies of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So thank you to Square thank for you. sending those promotional copies of the game over. All right. So um, basically, like, yeah, without giving any like plot points away, like around, yeah, around 10 to 15 hours in. And Re, you started and you're about what you said, 10 to 12 hours in? Yeah, a little bit further back than, than you are um, for sure at this point, but maybe closer to where you, Andrea, were when you talked about it last week. And Britt, you finished the game. Yeah. 
How long did it yeah. take you? My clock was at 40 hours. And you played it normal the whole time, yeah? I played it normal the first half. And then after the shitstorm that happened last week, I'm like, I can't deal with it. And so I turn it down. Yes. Baby yes, baby. baby mode. It's the fucking mm-hmm. best in this game. Because, yeah, I was doing the same where I had it on normal for like the first 10 hours. And then I turned it to easy and was like, fuck, I'm doing this the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's real easy. It's, yeah, yes, it definitely it is. is. Um, I'm currently at 40 hours and I'm not quite done with the game yet. Um, I've done most of the side quests, except for a couple that I failed that I'm very upset about. Don't um, fail side but quests. <laughs> apparently, because there's like certain things that happen in the story and mm-hmm. I didn't realize that once I triggered a specific thing, there are some times of the game where the game will be like, yo, BT dubs, a big thing's about to happen. Are you sure you want to go do this other thing? Do you have anything you want to do first? Hint, hint. And the game is really good about doing that at multiple points. But for some reason, at this one point, I didn't realize that that was a thing. Uh, I like point of no return sort of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah usually so now it, I've it does that a, a couple. fair amount. But yeah, I could. I, now yeah. I understand. Yeah. Your plates. Anywho. So, Brit. Brit, what what'd you think, Brit? <laughs> okay, so um, a lot of what I want to talk about, I cannot talk about until we do our spoiler cast. But Which do you think we're going to do next week? Is that what we've decided? I think so. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Because I'm Holy almost shit. done with the game. My game clock's way lower than either of yours. I think I'm like at 30 hours and I'm almost done. Which uh, I played on normal almost the whole way yeah you there did a, you were yeah, yeah you were on it for much longer yeah, there was a couple battles i dropped it down to easy for and then i bumped it back up to normal just to kind of see what the difference was but now that i'm like in the final kind of final stages i was like because this is one of those games where once you like enter into like what you think is like the end of the game because the game is like Yo, RPG style, like you should go finish up all these things you want to do before you go to this thing, like suicide mission in Mass Effect 2, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are you sure you're ready to go on this thing? Um, I was like, okay, cool, I'm ready. And then I was not prepared for like how long the game goes after that point, which I mean is great because the content is really awesome, but I'm just like, oh man, it's not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh so no! I, I've, I've yeah, now so dropped I it back down to easy. I, I don't know how much longer it's going to go on. I am on chapter seventeen, so I don't know oh. if I have. Got, I would like, say you have a, a few, more. a few hours. Yeah, I, I, I guessed a few hours, and I was like, I could. There's eighteen clean this. chapters, so yeah. Okay, I, I would thought I saw somewhere on the internet eighteen. Um, so yeah. good. Yeah. No, um, it's when I think of what I would have wanted from this game. This is this is it. I mean. Is it perfect? No, there's some issues, I think, you know, where it seems like maybe there's some extra padding or some fluff, but I appreciate those, um, not from a critical perspective, but just as a fan perspective, because you get to see these characters that, you know, we, well, I didn't We're just a bunch of triangles before. A bunch of, yeah, like a little er, 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 triangle, triangle (laughs) people. Very political. Yeah, like now they're super fleshed out and you get to see them in all these different situations where they expand on their personality and... I think that is just so cool, and everything from the music of oh, this, the music of this game. I've already been thinking about our game of the year discussion. You know the WGG ones we do. We were talking about. Oh like, my god! Yes, the music dude, is so good. The really music, good. and especially 
and I'm really happy to hear that, Andrea, because for me, you know, I played Final Fantasy VII, and the first time I played Final Fantasy VII was maybe in 2015, so I waited, like, a while to play it. But even so, it really struck with me. It really, like, hit home, and I it, I had those feelings of nostalgia, maybe, like, I would have had if I had played it when I was a little kid, like so many people did, because this game came out originally in 97. But the remixes they've done with the music and the things they've done with it are so subtle that I don't, I'm sure you ladies have noticed because you've played it, but there can be one track playing and then the minute you get into a combat situation, it kind of like remixes it up a bit and the minute you're done, it stops. There can be up to three different tracks for there's three different versions of the same track depending on what you as a player are doing and they've remained so true to some of the source material of the, of the games, of the songs from the original game and just hearing what they've done with the music is just phenomenal. And it's definitely like, and I'm usually not someone who gets all hot and bothered over a video game soundtrack, but in this case, there are moments where what? I would just pause the game. Yes, and listen. you are. I mean, not you in the definitely set. are. You, th- you think so? I mean, I don't. I mean, in case unless it's like something I'm super like, er, like Resident Evil or Final Fantasy or Zelda, like something I have a lot of like, er. But Final Fantasy VII was never, you know, I just played it not that long ago. So for the impact it's having on me with the music, I'm like, oh my god. Like, I've only played these games once. I've only ran through Midgar maybe a couple times. And for those of you who don't know, the Midgar section, is essentially the entirety of this remake, takes about five to seven hours in the original game. And I've only ran it a couple times. But even so, like, that music has stuck with me. It's just so fucking good. Anyway, it's wild to hear you say that as somebody who never played the original. I know Ree hasn't played the original either. Mm -hmm. um, It's like the idea that this entire game happens in five to seven hours is bonkers to me Yeah, because I keep thinking, man, this game's about to end, but there's more of this game. Like what's what happens in the other half? I mean, and now they're like now that we're getting to I'm getting to the end, much like Steimer is like I'm starting to see like the narrative threads of what's to come because I'm like, what's happening here? And who is this person? And like, why are they introducing all this stuff at the end? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's more later. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, it's (laughs) it's just so good. And I I mean, I knew I was going to like it, obviously. I didn't know how much I would love it. I mean, none of us really, I think, knew going in because when you have a game that's been in development as long as this, I think expectations are just so hard to hit. But after playing it and after seeing, you know, where this game is going and looking back on it, it's it's just incredible. It is such an, a well-done game. And it, it's I, I think Final Fantasy IX will always be my favorite, but this is like a close, like close numero uno it is just so good and it's everything i would want from a final fantasy 7 remake and i just honestly like i have faith in square enix obviously they're very very talented but i can't believe they nailed it as good as well as they did you know with games that are in development this long you always hear the horror stories of like well that could have gone better i mean think of oh god what's that game steimer loves with the silly orbs what? Crackdown. Crackdown. Oh, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> the silly orbs. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I am just so impressed, and I just cannot wait to talk about this. Especially, uh, I said, I know you play Final Fantasy VII, but Rhea and Andrea, I know you you ladies haven't. Uh, so the things that get me all like, oh my god, like you probably don't get because you haven't played the original but the fact that you're still enjoying it as much as you are especially like you andrea makes me so happy yeah i have a lot to say but i'm gonna hold my thoughts because i want to hear from rihanna first so rihanna um like me had seen 
literally everybody in our feeds was talking about this <laughs> game. And so she was like, you know, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to play. So how has it been going for you? It's been going well. I So context, I have never played a JRPG until Pokemon Sword and Shield. That's, that's, that is just where I come from. Uh, Pokemon I, X was my fa- my first one, so I feel you. Yeah, yeah, I just missed them, and and it wasn't for for any particular reason. I was just I was just shooting stuff that whole time, so I reluctantly started paying attention to the Final Fantasy VII remake conversation because no one would shut up about it, and I'm really glad that they didn't because I finally picked it up. I want to say this past weekend, maybe Saturday, Sunday. And have already put that much time in it in it's Wednesday and I have a full time big girl job. So that lets you know how addictive it really is and how strong that gameplay loop is. I am a huge fan of good systems and compelling story and when I'm playing a single player game. And it got me like from the very first hour I was in. I was hooked. I don't know the characters the way a lot of people who are talking about this remake know the characters, but I already like them. I already have opinions about some of them. Some of them not great. Some of them really, really great. <laughs> um, so but but the fact that I'm already this invested just speaks to how quality the original content is and how well they have done um, with updating it for today. And I, again, I don't want to get into too much when we're not going to do our spoiler conversation, but I'm going to finish it. And I didn't think that would be the case when I started. So I am really looking forward to playing more. Nice. No, but I want to know which character you don't like. Because last week, Steimer and I talked about... You're not going to like it. (laughs) How at first, Aerith was really getting on our nerves. We're like, gosh, she's just so annoying. And obviously, like, her character goes on quite quite an arc in this game. But, I mean, we were talking about how she's got does definitely has a unique feel that's so different than the other characters, and that's something that Square really nailed with this game is the the design, the character design really feels like authentic to each individual versus them kind of feeling like a little bit like lacking depth. They all feel like they have depth, which is awesome. But yeah, I want to hear the shade. What's the shade? I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this. I am not a I'm not a fan of Tifa. Um, I okay. yeah, I don't know something Sounds about. Like, nope. <laughs> No, I, I was just like, you're, I don't care. I yeah. don't care. I don't have a horse. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. Good. I'm glad at least I haven't pissed you off. Like, I, I see a lot of Tifa love on the internets, and I respect it, you know, teach his own. I don't, she's, she just strikes me as somebody who is a little inconsiderate and not really feeling it. But we'll see how it goes. Obviously, there's a lot more story to play through. So I will hold final judgment. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my favorite, my favorite so far is a character that I don't want to say because it may be a spoiler. But there, I am a big fan of the sexual tension between Cloud and this one particular okay, there's character. So much. Oh, I already tweeted. I already tweeted oh, about that. Oh yeah. Oh wait, no, maybe somebody different. This maybe is, I'm thinking who, of somebody different. Because like literally everybody wants Cloud's dick, so that's there's really three, not literally all of them. Yeah, all the all the guys and all the girls. In everybody, this game, everybody want, wants him. Cloud. It brings all the boys to the yard. Got that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> and Brittany, in your defense, now that I've had forty hours with Cloud, um, oh, I don't. I'm still not like yo, Cloud, Cloud Bay. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> But, like, I see the attraction now, and I think it's more because of his actions as a character 
versus like his just his physicality because physicality alone i was like meh not for me i remember what <laughs> like, it was during the press conference that you liked i remember because it was his earring it's the it's the earring, oh, it was the earring. Is. i do like the earring yeah that's what it, you're like i remember you turned me you're like i think it's the earring and i'm like i'll take it fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever yeah works. like a man with an earring it's yeah. john go get your ear a- pierced yeah. I'm a big fan I of the arms. I asked him about it. He's not a jewelry wearing guy. Me getting him to wear his wedding ring every day was a triumph, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, Klaus, and I think it was a few episodes back. Remember, we were talking about how one of the writers said that Cloud was lame and he hopes for in the original game and he hopes in this one he really kind of dove into Cloud's psyche and uh, rewrote him in that sense. I'm rewriting him, it might be a little bit of a reach, but I love the way Cloud is written in this game. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear that you ladies all also appreciate it you know i had kind of have a different perspective because i know cloud's story right from like who he is and what he's been through and so i appreciate it from that level but i'm happy because he he was kind of like a, a real stick in the mud in the first in the original Aww. game so i'm happy that he's written he's been written this way that's attractive to you ladies well I, I love, though, that – and, like, Steiber and I were talking about this last week. I love that he still kind of feels like a stick in the mud, but, like, a lovable one. Exactly. And, like, he just can't be bothered with everybody. He's, like, constantly eye-rolling. Oh, yeah. And he like, has so I, many like, good liners. The, yeah. The amount of times that I've just, like, open mouth laughed at, like, Cloud giving, like, a one-word response to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, and the voice actor played it so perfectly, so and like good. the the, the mocap they did for him, and like like you said, I don't know what original Cloud was like, but this new Cloud is fucking awesome. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, so fun to hang yeah, out with. Funny. Oh yeah, the things he says, you're like, yeah, we're all thinking it. The way he says, like you said, <laughs> it's a lovable stick in the mud. And in this, he. He actually, you can see the layers of, if he was an onion, you can see his layers. That's like a really bad Shrek reference. But because you can tell like there's a a kind heart in there, but it's always kind of being shrouded by something. And that something is something that we will discover as the game continues on. But for now, I'm happy to hear that it has been done in a well enough way that's not off-putting. He's a a fascinating character. Yeah, The the combat is also really, really great. I just a shout out to irritate me mm-hmm. is the clunkiness of I don't even want to call it platforming because it's not platforming but like the oh any of the interactions with the fucking blue oh. square of death on the floor I, I hate I hate them yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that they are awful and they need to not do that for the next game um yeah because those are the those are the parts where I get really frustrated and like I'm like this this game feels old or like this just feels like a broken mechanic I don't know why they put this in here because um, like you sometimes have to move off of it or like stuff just like to get yeah. it to re-engage or whatever and like I have very little patience for that <laughs> yeah, um, let me just jump to the ladder show last week and a lot of people like wrote to me and were like Andrea don't you know that that's just them hiding the loading I go no 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 you knew that's not what Steimer and I were talking about when we were criticizing this movement style I said in a 2020 world where they're doing an action RPG with open world elements to it, there's to me no excuse for having these like hot pads where you have to stand in order to move across areas. I totally appreciate and love that they've hid a lot of the loading screens by allowing these like like movements where he's like, oh, I'm walking through like a passageway really slowly. That's different than some of the 
parameter puzzles that we get. Like there's a section where I'm like up a ladder, move a couple feet, down a ladder, move a couple feet, up a ladder, move a couple feet, down a ladder, move a couple feet. And that's not an exaggeration. You do that like five or six times in this one sequence. And I'm like, why, why didn't they just make it the locomotion different? Like the traversal and everything. I just don't understand like why that was the choice that they went with. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm still, I'm still kind of like, Again, irritated about it, but it's such a again. Such it's a, a minor irritation. Yeah. The other yeah. minor irritation that you just reminded me of, which I still I just don't understand what the logic is written for when he chooses to slide down a ladder versus taking it one ring at a time. Yes. I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. It's always impacted it's by like, a button. If I click yeah, the don't you press stick, press R three? Slide down. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah, press and Wait, hold R three. Wait, did we just not know this, timer? <laughs> it's okay. I got don't you. Know. Yeah, yeah. So if okay, any now I'm gonna player, go try that. Yeah, any character you're playing as, as you're going down the ladder, if you click the stick and hold down, he'll slide down. Yeah, it's well, the same it was as running. Happening randomly, maybe I didn't realize I was doing it. You just got like a mo- moment of anger, and you're like, you got anger, and you like, press the stick, and you yeah. Slide. Maybe I just yeah. accidentally did the thing and was like, wait, how did that happen? <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Um, so, what difficulty are you all playing on? I've been on normal, earlier, normal okay. the whole yeah, way through. Normal. Okay. I was on normal to like Ree's point and then I put to easy. Yeah, I got to the Airbuster and I finished him on he's an iconic character, so there's no spoilers that he's in this game or enemy. Um I finished him on normal and then after that you encounter another character, finish that on normal, and then like I was saying, like I appreciated the how tactical you have to be actually, because it's you know, it's like when you play a Final Fantasy game, you think about the idea of, like, I'm going to grind and get way OP. And you can do that to some extent in this game. It's just not as, like, in your face about it because you don't have those random encounters. There's just certain areas where you can go and, then you know, fight some monsters. And even then, I feel like the grinding's kind of slow because I tried to do that for a bit. But it just wasn't as appealing. Um but I appreciate how, you know, you do have to, you know, stop and, like, pause the game and think about, okay, so I'm going to have this person do this, that, and the other. And there was that strategy side of it. Uh, but that at some point after whatever happened last week, I was like, I, I just can't. I dropped it down to the um, easy mode. And it was so – it was a breeze. But in a good way because <laughs> you were still able to, you know, use all the skills you wanted to and – and you just don't have to worry about the stress of all that. So I do appreciate a good easy mode in a game because sometimes, you know, we need that. And I just, yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, yeah, like you said, it just makes it less stressful, which is like something everybody needs right now. Uh, so I, I didn't really feel any like bad whatsoever for bumping it down from normal because I was like, look, normal's not unreasonable by any means. Mm-hmm. I think I had to redo a fight like twice once and that was it. But, it gets unreasonable later in the game. So Sure, I'm sure um, like some of the other stuff would get a little bit more like <laughs> There's but. a couple of fight there's a couple of fights and I saw an article on Kotaku about this about how the balancing between fights feels really off on some of the yeah. encounters later in the game as you start to scale and get higher level and you have more um, you know, abilities and, and spell access and things like that because in the author's article on Kotaku he was talking about how he's like in the final end of the game and then there's just this random encounter with a pack of blood demons or demon hounds bloodhounds or whatever they're called and that the characters he was playing with just could not could not win this random match on normal mode with these because they couldn't they were overwhelmed because at that point you're only playing with two people in your party and they just couldn't counter um, against them and I I've definitely run into several instances playing on normal 
where it just felt artificially hard in a way that I didn't understand. And there was a couple of fights, mini boss fights, where I felt like I was just constantly using potions and I didn't have enough time to attack because I was spending all of my time healing. And I was just like, I don't understand what I'm doing so differently. And I get that like you have to min-max your materia with your weapon stats. And like I really love that aspect as you get deeper and deeper into the game. Like I've I've taken way more of an interest in materia and specifically linking materia That's than I, awesome. I'd ever, I ever ah. thought possible. Can I, I just like, say okay. it is so sexy to hear you talk about materia in the way you are. I never thought I'd see the day, but here you are, baby girl. Here you are. Well, I called him gems on the show last week, so don't get too <laughs> Well, uh... <laughs> But I I really do I, I'm with you that I think the battle system is super fun. I just I want to be able to keep playing it on normal, but I the the gully between normal and easy mode to me is too big. I feel like there's things yeah. that they clearly should have put on hard mode, or they just should have balanced like the I don't know if it's like the the hit points or the attack points. Something is just off in the balancing in the the late half of the game. But that said, like. I've dropped it down to easy now and been like, whatevs. But, Britt, I want to know, have you tried classic mode? I did. I tried it for one fight because mostly because I wanted to vet it for my grandma because Final Fantasy VII is one of her favorite games. And as she's gotten older, she's kind of had a, you know, a harder time vet, like, you know, getting used to new systems. She can do the turn-based stuff till the day she dies, which is why she plays, like, PS1 and PS2 games all the time. Bless her heart. <laughs> uh, but she's really looking forward to this remake. So I did turn it on classic mode just to see how it works. And yeah, it, the difficulty is on easy, and the characters guard and do their basic attacks on their own free will. So all you essentially have to do is just wait for that ATB to fill and then execute the actions you want to do. So it's you can think of it almost like um, you know the old school system, right, where you'd have all the characters in a line and you'd go through one after another after their ATB fills. But this time they're they are moving around, so it looks a little different, but it's the same idea. So if you're a little off-put by this action, that's a little bit more Final Fantasy 15-esque, then I would say Classic Mode's the one for you. The difficulty will be easy, but I think that's kind of the point. And it's a it's a good mode, I think, for people who just want to experience it without having to worry about the guarding and the pushing the, the square button to build up, build up your ATB. That's good. Yeah, I'm bad at guarding. Oh, I'm so bad at guarding. Yo, Punisher Me mode, too. man. It's all about Punisher guarding. mode is so good, too. Ugh. It's so good. Yeah, but you move so slow. Well, you yeah. do, but that's the point. You got to be yeah. like all yeah, tanky. But, yeah, but you got those ranged enemies if they're not close enough. I don't know. Just throw higher at them. <laughs> I mean, I, I love I love me some spells. Re, I'm curious, as somebody who is very much like into heavy gunplay games, how have you found the combat in this RPG? It's so funny. I was just talking to uh, my partner knew about this. I dislike playing as Barrett. Like, I really don't like being a gunner. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. It, because his gun is kind of shitty? That plus also, <laughs> um, I just feel cool with that buster sword. Like, I just feel cooler when I can do, like, the special abilities and attacks with a sword in my hand. If I'm going to play an action game, I want to be able to see myself in action. And this is... You know, holding your arm up at a thing just isn't as exciting visually. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, just not not my jam. But um, 
uh, I guess if I'm thinking about like difficulty and like how I'm switching around different characters, I only do it when I have to. I recently just got to a part without any spoilers where I'm going after a material that's kind of off in the corner and I had to go through a sort of like time challenge in order to get to it. And in order to accomplish that, I had to switch to different characters to execute different moves, to do certain effects on enemies in order to get through it in the amount of time that I had. And I was reluctantly switching off of Cloud. And I didn't expect to feel so attached to this character that I've never played as before, but I was like, like something about swinging a sword in a Final Fantasy game felt like what I'm supposed to be doing and switching around to the party members felt like uh, I have to do it, not I want to do it. So I don't know if that's just me as a player or, you know, maybe it'll change with time as I see the benefits of switching around to other party members as my leader um, as the game progresses, but for right now, all I want to do is chop shit up, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I feel, I feel you. I think that that might change for you as you get further into the game and you yeah. further realize like what Tifa's abilities are and the new abilities that she unlocks and Aerith's abilities. And Barrett even gets cooler, obviously cooler stuff down the road. Obviously, it's an RPG. The gear only gets better. The gear yeah. only gets better. Um, but. I feel you that I still always have Cloud as the party leader. Did either of you ladies have anybody but Cloud as your party leader? Nah. I would, no. I would, yeah, I always just kept him as the party leader. And I was like, you too, Rhi. I just wanted to play as Cloud only. But as a, as I did play more and like Andrews and you kind of learn the abilities and what works well against certain enemies, you will just kind of switch off. And yeah. I did find myself going to Barrett, especially if there were like enemies afar, you know, it's like, okay, I know I immediately have to switch to him. Cause I think, Promoting a party leader only means right when the battle starts, that's who you play as. Mm-hmm. It's the okay. default. You can switch at will. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you know what's also interesting about this is I'm pretty sure in the original that you could, you t- would, at more times you would have several characters at your disposal, right? So you have Cloud, Tifa, Barrett, and Aerith. And then you would choose like which three you wanted to play as. But in this game, it always chooses for you. So you only have the three characters, right? It's not like you can swap between them as you want to. thought that was also a little interesting tidbit, one that's not typical for Final Fantasy games. This idea of like the like the like the Mass Effect or Dragon Age style, of like I'm bringing this character right. into the fight with me versus this game's like this is who's in the fight with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It definitely okay. made it a little bit easier in the sense of like you don't have to think about it or worry about oh am I building this person up too much or not or whatever. I like that they kind of kept it simple. It really mm-hmm. feels like for the remake they wanted to focus on telling the story of Final Fantasy 7 and not get caught up too much in the systems and all yeah. the other ex- extraneous things. Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciated that too as a newcomer. And again, as somebody who isn't as familiar with JRPGs, that they took a little bit of that that pre-thinking out for me. And um, I also appreciate that everybody's leveling up without me worrying about using them enough or, you know, executing certain things while I'm giving them commands. Like, it's nice to be able to go into everybody's menus after a fight and know that they had some kind of progress, even if I sucked ass. So. You know, it's interesting to hear you guys say that because the ability to upgrade your weapons is new. So yeah. it's actually a new like micromanage thing that you have to do. Grant, I think you can set it so that it'll do it for you automatically. Yeah, you yeah, can, you can, you can do it. auto upgrading. Yeah. yeah, but that is a new level of customization that I thought was pretty cool. That yeah, was added. I like it. Yeah. I, I could not remember it. that that was not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, just so the materia, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that what I like about it is that it allows me to have control over the style of gameplay. And it's been, you know, speaking of Cloud, like I started out the game playing him as a very like a physical damage focused character because I really like, you know, loved his like basic abilities. And then obviously as you get, you know, different weapons, they have specials tied to them. And I used magic when I needed to, but I didn't rely on it. And now I'm doing more of a magic forward build as I get to the very end of the game. Um, because I've gotten very good at knowing which enemy types have weaknesses for certain types of magic. And I just love doing these combos because that stagger animation is so oh. good. It is. Um, and it's been interesting kind of watching how these skill trees are different between each of the weapons. And when, when we talked last week, you know, Steimer had mentioned, oh, those other kinds of weapons, but I always keep going back to the Buster Sword. And at the time, I was playing with the Iron Sword, which is like the second weapon that Cloud gets. And now that I'm at the end of the game, I'm like, gosh, there's like so many things to choose from. But if you, what I like about the way that they designed the the gear is that the gear that you got at the very beginning of the game doesn't feel like it's obsolete at the mm-hmm. end of the game. I love that they've independently allowed you to level each piece of gear because you keep earning skill points for every single piece of gear. So if you wanted to use the Buster Sword literally the entire game, you could. Now, obviously, there's going to be certain situations where you might feel like you want something different, but like they don't make it so underpowered that you have to put it aside or in a vault or sell it and never use it again. And I think that that's super smart, and I wish more RPGs did that. Yeah, I love that you have the different weapons, and then you get 100% proficient in them, and then you keep that skill. Mm -hmm. Because as you continue on, there's going to be moments where you want those skills. Yeah, it's cool. They did a really good job with it. It's fun. Oh, Oh, I can't wait to spoil this game. Oh, my God. (laughs) I also really love how you can see which orbs of Matera you have in your sword on your back in all of the cutscenes. I love details like that where you can see. the colors of them. Yeah, like that's what I picked out. Look at it. Oh, it's shiny. It's fun. (laughs) God. Yeah, man, I didn't think that I would be looking at Final Fantasy VII Remake as my game of the year, but right now it's 100% game of the year for me. Ooh. Oh, yeah, hands down. There, someone made a silly meme on Twitter, and it's that meme of the dude walking with a girl, but the dude's like looking behind him and like mm-hmm. checking out another girl. And the meme was, I'm the dude looking behind me. I'm looking at Final Fantasy VII, and Resident Evil 3 is looking at me like, what the fuck, bro? I was like, oh, <laughs> it's so true. It's a good year. Um, it's a really oh, good yeah. year. Like, it's it's going to be amazing. I tweeted to to Jeff Keighley in the Game Awards and said, yo, you have to put that Honeybee and dance sequence on stage if the Game Awards oh. happens at, at, in LA later. I'm like, don't oh do God. me. Don't do me wrong, Jeff. Put Honeybee Dude. in dance on stage. Game Awards. Make it happen. The one Britney posted to I2I from Goofy oh. Movie. <laughs> With the Goofy that Movie That was so music. good. So good. God, I know I saw it. I was like, oh my God, it was so well done and it fits so good. Oh. It does. And that scene oh. was just so well done. Anyway, as spoiler cast material, but oh. Yeah, lots lots to unpack there for sure. But yeah, I'm I'm like all the way in. My sister texted me because, you know, I've talked before about how my sister is a gigantic Final Fantasy fan. And she loves the franchise and has been a diehard for a long time. And she's obviously like everybody else, like knee deep in this game and she and i have been texting she's like so what do you think you think you're gonna go play more final fantasies and i was like "Mm, probably not (laughs) (laughs) because like for for me like the big thing is like i feel like i can connect with these characters because of how they've brought the 
animation and the motion capture and the voice acting into modern game making and also the way that they've really elevated the combat right now even final fantasy 15 didn't do it for me right like there was just something about the way that they re-envisioned this game in a for a modern setting that i just really clicked with oh, they did such a good job and that's yeah that's going to be the interesting thing right is i'm seeing some people it's going both ways right some folks are going back and they're i've got to see what happens in final fantasy 7 the original game and then some people for understandable reasons are like that's still a game from 1997 and i am not yeah. into that right now Oh no. Yeah. I mean like I'm down to watch like a like a supercut on YouTube about like the differences, <laughs> but I think we'll probably t- go over some of those in the spoiler cast. But yeah, I have no desire to go back and play like a like a 75 hour or 100 hour or whatever how many hours it took you oh, RPG. I in my mind I'm still like this is only the first part of the game. <laughs> yeah. Wild to me like what what Square is going to do like what do you what do you think, Steimer? How many parts do you think it's going to be? Oh, I, why are you asking me? Ask Brittany, the one who's actually finished the game before. <laughs> I don't know. I, do you know a lot of things about games? Because what? Um, what? I just couldn't hear the end of her sentence. Skype the leg, the inner thing. Uh, I, you know, for reasons I'm not going to talk about, I cannot answer that question. I, That's exactly why I didn't ask her. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't say that you think there's two more or three more. That's not. That doesn't give anything away. I, if it were you making them, I'll, I'll explain later. I, okay. I can't. It's my fun. mind is so like one track right now on what I know that I can't. You're like, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a thing. I'm excited to okay. see more. Yes. I want to play. I more. just want them to hurry up. Like better. that's the thing that oh, I'm I worried know. about. I'm wor- I'm like, okay, I'm enjoying this game right now. But if you release the next episode like four years from now. I will have probably forgotten all about this. So, like, there's you're on a little bit of a time crunch, like, right. to keep the momentum going. So, I don't know what they're actually I haven't looked to see if they've even talked about their plans for they, future they stuff. Haven't. What so. I wanted, I I heard from a few people on Twitter um, because a lot of folks are saying, you know, I know this game is a remake of the original game, and I don't like Sam was saying, I don't want to have to wait how many years between each installment. Um, because it would just be too much of an antagonizing weight for me. And what I would say to those fine folks out there, and don't worry, this will be spoiler-free, is I, if you love Final Fantasy VII, if you're interested in this game, and you have played the original, that's kind of the caveat here, I would say, don't worry about that. Play this. Get ahead of the spoilers that are bound to just kind of like flood social media, because I think this is something that you should experience firsthand rather than hearing on your twitter timeline hearing about on your twitter timeline (laughs) yeah like i still don't know who who the fuck sephiroth is (gasps) like they sent me a plushie of this guy and i'm like i don't want this who is this guy Uh, andrea we call him daddy (laughs) oh i mean you call him daddy (laughs) like i don't know man daddy sephiroth oh boy yeah no way, man. He doesn't have an earring. We're done. <laughs> I mean, he, he might, but like his hair is so long. Ben hair covers, hair it. covers it. Oh, my God. Oh, so my plight too, Sephiroth. My hair always covers my earrings. It's a thing. You just got to chop it off like Cloud does. Um, all right. <laughs> this has been fun. Um, we did our best to not give things away while also still being able to talk about it. But I'm glad that you're having a great time, Ree. 
And Britt, I have so, so, so many questions for you that we're going to be talking about in the spoiler cast. So if you guys are playing, hopefully you're having a great time and you're powering through because let me tell you, I was talking to Steimer about this. I was like, I have been up till like two or 3 a.m. literally every <laughs> night for like the last like seven nights in a row. Playing I'll be like working, 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 editing videos, doing this, you know, spending some time with my husband. And then he'll be like, okay, I'm going to get ready for bed. I'll be like, cool. I'm going to boot up Final Fantasy now. See you later. <laughs> oh, so, this is such a good... I can't not play it. Oh, God. So happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm a whole Brit. Yay! Well, thanks so much, everybody, for hanging out with us. Don't forget, if you're listening to the podcast on Friday, join us tomorrow morning for our What's Good Games movie matinee with Mortal Kombat at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, twitch.tv slash What's Good Games. And we'll be back for What's Good Games live Monday at 11 a.m. It's going to be another week of video games because what is time anymore? It doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note... Enjoy your time off if you get some. Hopefully you do. We love you guys. Goodbye.